Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! Hi everyone and welcome to an all new episode of Geek Shell and Herod. I'm Daniel Pickett. I am Jason Lindsay. And this is, uh, we're recording in the evening. It's like uh, GSI After Dark. We, we are. We've got a smoking jacket on. I was going to say, I'm wearing my smoking jacket. I've got a cigar. My, my rhino hide slippers. Yes. And uh, my, I'm drinking out of my monkey head goblet. Good. Well, I'm glad you got that clean. Yes, everything I'm wearing are endangered species. My slippers, my my sloth skin smoking jacket. Right. And uh, and feeling very sexy. Got the incense burning. But we should tell people, um, you've got a new gig. I do. That is true. You are uh, working a digital domain in the motion capture department, right? You're no, I'm just uh, going uh, to work just... every day in a mocap suit. Can't, I can't say a lot about it, but yes, I now work for a visual effects company. Right, but you're wearing... Sworn to secrecy on everything. The mocap suit. Where do you keep your keys? No. <laughs> I've just... I've just uh, the, 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 oh, there's all sorts of stuff happening around me, and I had to sign many documents, mm. and we'll not be discussing any of it here. Many, many important documents. But what, are, but what I don't understand, can you tell us what your role is? Is it, is it similar to what you did sort of at... Um, at uh, EA Games? Yes, I will say that it is similar to that. Similar to, to your duties at EA Games. Correct. Uh, but lots more green screen. Uh, that's right. Yes, that's right. You just you don't know where your office is from day to day. They keep moving it on green screen. Yes. Well, congratulations to that. But what that means Thank is you. we'll be talking more at night times and the weekends because of your, that, that is probably right. your new duties. Yeah. That's right. So uh, yeah, so this is this is a special first of many GSI After Darks evening edition. Evening edition. Welcome yes. everyone. Yeah, so we're like, what was it? Remember WKRP? Remember Venus? Yes. Venus flytrap. Yes. This is the Venus flytrap uh, set. <laughs> That's right. So it would help us also uh, for everyone if you would listen to it in the evening too. That'll help put you in the right mood. So you know, put the kids to bed. You've had dinner. Yes. You know, and then it's uh, you break out the the geek shell and hair. Run a nice. Don't don't listen to it while you're commuting, or right. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of uh, prisoners and shut-ins that listen to the show. We're big with the shut-ins. Uh, yeah. Oh, we're huge. In fact, the shut huge with the invalid population. Some of the shut-ins are so they're so big, they don't they don't switch the the podcast for a week because they can't get up to move the computer. That's and right. So they just, they just segue into the next one. Yeah. They have to wait for iTunes to lob it at Right. Them. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So get home, you know, draw yourself a bubble bath, <laughs> yes. you know, pour yourself a glass of red wine, you know, do your nails if that's your thing. And, uh, you know, turn on some geek talk. That's right. Nothing, no, we'll be here for no you. No better aphrodisiac than geek talk. That's right. That'll get you relaxed. 
And it'll help you digest your dinner better. I mean, there's there's lots of benefits to listening to the show at night. Oh, yeah. You'll sleep better. Across the board, there are so I mean, you'll probably sleep listening to the show. That, that's what's going to end up there happening. There are so many benefits to this show in general. Uh, I don't know where to start, frankly. Right. But um, why don't we start, as we always do, nice little segue, uh, with what we're excited about. Okay. Maybe you should go first like you always do. All right. So this is... Uh, I don't uh, always uh, do this sort of thing, but every so often I recommend other podcasts. What? I know, I know. Wait, when you say other podcasts... Right. Are you saying that there are other people out there doing what we do? There are other people... What? ...out there doing their own thing on the internet with a microphone and talking to people. How is this... It's, it's happening. How is this even possible? I know. We're the trailblazers, but, you know, there many people follow behind. If they see far, it's because they stand on the backs of giants. That's what we know. Uh, so, yeah, uh, and I've mentioned this podcast before. It's Kevin Smith's Fat Man on Jim. Batman. Hey, uh, but wait, he, wait, Daniel, can you hear me? I hear you. I, I lost you there, pal. Could you still hear me? I still hear you. Okay, sorry. We're going to have to pause this thing. You said, uh, I said there are other podcasts out there, and then, then there was silence. So I, I lost you for a bit. Oh. Okay. I don't know if that means that you were being recorded. I am still being recorded. I as not hear you. Okay. So let's start over. Why don't you say, start with um, recommending other podcasts. Right, hold on. Let me just write down the, the time signature on this so that we have that. Yes. Okay. So yes, there there are in fact other podcasts out there. What? There there are other people sitting in front of microphones talking about things with other people all over this wide world web that we call the internet. I find this increasingly difficult to believe, but continue. No, it's, it's all true. So uh and I've talked about this podcast before. It's it's Kevin Smith's Fat Man on Batman, which uh I just I really really enjoy. But this past month he did a three-part interview with Denny O'Neill. Oh yeah. About about all just everything he's ever done. His Marvel work, uh his DC hard traveling heroes work, uh all his time on Batman. Uh and just it is not not just a great interview. Uh it is a masterclass on writing. I mean, it just stuff just pours out of this guy. Uh, that that is just remarkable and just, you know, just his idea of and how he came to be in the comics industry and 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 how he formed that team that basically reinvented Batman well, from the you know from the 60s show into really what we know and enjoy about the character today well can we just i'm going to assume that, that a lot of folks listening or most folks listening know who Denny O'Neill is but can you just give some of the listeners a cliff notes version of who Denny O'Neill is and why he was so important to the the comic book world and DC and everything. Sure. So Denny, Denny was a, he was a writer uh, at Marvel for a while and then DC, but then he, he spent a, a big chunk of the mid seventies to the eighties and, and even into the nineties uh, as an editor, like the, the lead editor on most of the Batman titles. And, you know, he oversaw things like, you know, death of death of the family and, uh, I think he went all the way up through, I mean, pretty recently, he up through uh, 
the cataclysm and aftershock when all of Gotham was hit by the, the earthquake. I mean, that was just a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, just, you know, some of the biggest stories, like he was doing stuff with uh, Neil Adams, you know, that like the one of the biggest comic stories in history was uh, Green Arrow and Speedy, you know, being on drugs. Like he was the guy that wrote that. Yeah, he I mean, wouldn't you say that his most successful sort of partnership and because it was sort of was synonymous in the 70s with with his DC stuff was was between him and Neil Adams, right? Didn't they have a lengthy yes. partnership? Oh, absolutely. And didn't, yeah. they, didn't they work on it was the Green Lantern Green Arrow book that was a monthly and right. and, they, and did they do the Batman book simultaneously or was that a different time frame? I think that that came a little after. A little after, okay. Yeah. So he was with with Denny when I think of him I think of um I don't know, I tend to think of Marvel more in terms of having its finger on the pulse kind of, or, 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 or getting to pop culture or the counterculture, you know, a little while after the curve. I always felt like DC was a bit more behind or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, not necessarily behind, but didn't tend to do it quite as much as Marvel did. Cause Marvel was always that, you know, hipper and much more in touch with the kids and the college kids and everything. But I would say that he was the guy. He and he and Adams were trying to do something, you know, with with the DC titles where they were pulling stories out of the headlines or out of. That's absolutely correct. You know? Yes, and that was a big yeah. move. That was a big deal at the time to be doing yeah. such things. Absolutely, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's just, and they actually did either a two or three parter the month before with Neil Adams, which you know that guy can spin a yarn. He's you an know. interesting guy. He's. He really is. And when I say that, I mean he's interesting, interesting, and then he's kind of, what the hell, interesting. Yeah, uh, there's both of Just them. his sort of theories on the creation of the universe and the Earth and things like that are interesting enough. Um, but didn't they, just to go back to this real quick, is, isn't it, um, who was, I don't know who was first, maybe you don't either, but, there, you know, there was the the Spider-Man stories where, like, you know, Harry Osborn was... I think he was a junkie too, or he was on drugs or something, and Spidey was trying to get him off. Peter was trying to get him off it, but the the Speedy thing with the Green Arrow, um, or not Speedy, who was it? Who who was the was it the Green Arrow? Was that am I getting that right? It was Green Arrow, yeah. Okay, uh-huh. yeah. and uh, and Speedy. But wasn't that part of that controversy was that they bucked the Comics Code Authority? They bucked the system. That's right. They left the the code, left, the seal off. Yeah, that's right. And 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 both those stories happened sort of simultaneously. They they both right. had to go in and pitch them to the code authority together. There was like this hearing, and they you know he talks about that. And these were stories that that wouldn't have been deemed appropriate for the content for the comic book you know comic book content. So they kind of bucked that system, and and they thought these were important stories to tell. It was not you know. I mean, these days, so much of this stuff I feel like is done in a marketing way or sensationalism or, you know, let's let's do something controversial and, you know, kill a woman and cut her head off and put her in a refrigerator, you know, all that stuff that they do. But back then, I don't, I don't feel like any of this was being done, you know, to be sensationalistic. I feel like it was they were trying to do something of quality that had to do with important things that were going on with the youth of America, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, there was there was the whole thing, the the seduction of the innocent, you know, the, that's what the Comics Code Authority was was born out of, right. where this psychologist wrote this book and decided that comic books were turning kids 
gay and violent and delinquent, you know, just breaking down all the walls of society. And they wrote these rules. Uh, and it, I mean, it, it darn near wiped out the industry. That That is not an exaggeration. It yeah. nearly just put them in the ground. Yeah. And uh, the Comics Code Authority sort of came along and said, you know, hey, you know, we'll keep this going. It makes money for these people. Uh, but there will be strict rules and we will review every single thing that comes out. And that's how uh, comics were able to continue. But for a while, I mean, they were really milk toast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was dry. I mean, that's not to say there weren't some fun, you know, stories and stuff. But, I mean, it, it was it was tough. <laughs> Yeah, so and this, this is this is uh, and there were certain mid fifties, late fifties, maybe kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there were certain people that were like, you know, this is an art form; it can be used to tell interesting stories. It doesn't all have to be, you know, romance novels and right. you know, just uh, old cowboy westerns. Like <clears throat> we can tell some some interesting, socially relevant stories with these. Right. And and they worked very hard to sort of steer that ship and it's a big boat to turn and you know now it's crazy i mean every comic we grew up with had that seal practically yeah and now that that organization is is gone i mean you don't see any of them with that practically yeah so that was i mean that's that's what i think if people whenever people get critical of the whole um the 66 batman series you know and they did for years i mean i I really feel like that was first of all we never called it 66 Batman. That's a new brand that's happened recently. It just was always the TV Batman or whatever. But for the longest time, before the Tim Burton film and after, you know, it sort of got swept under the rug. But, you know, for various reasons. But, you know, part of it was that that was kind of the milquetoast way that the Batman stories were being told at that point in in comicdom. You know, there was very much... You know that 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 content of the show, I think, was reflecting the book, which was a result of these new restrictions. Yep. And uh, you know, everybody being married and you know having girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, that. So that's that's cool. That would. So that was something that people can. You can just go find Fat Man on Batman, the Denny O'Neill uh, episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's episode sixty, sixty-one, and sixty-two. All right. But really, really worth listening to some dynamite stuff. I will, uh, I will look into that. Uh, well, I think what I'm excited about, and I know it's very, very early days to get excited about such things because we hear things announced all the time, development hell and all that, and nothing ever happens. But this is closer than I think I've recalled in the past 20 years. They just made an announcement that Fox, Fox has basically announced that it's picked up the rights to Flash Gordon the character for a new big screen version of uh, the adventures of flash Gordon and Ming the merciless and everybody. Um, I, they don't have anything specific lined up, but they have mentioned some names, uh, JD Payne and Patrick McKay, who are writing the newest star Trek. So it would be star Trek three. Um, right. And a treatment that was put together by a guy called George Nolfi, who wrote, I think the born ultimatum, one of the born films, and uh, the Adjustment Bureau. Did you ever see that movie? With uh, I, I know of it, but I did not. I heard horrible things about it. I wouldn't. I, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say horrible. I certainly wouldn't go back and visit it again. But it's it's not horrible. It's got some great ideas in it. Okay. But anyway, um, 
you know, apparently some people are actively working on a new version of Flash Gordon. And, I, you know, you think it was bound to happen. Like, there's so many properties out there that they're going to come around again, and everybody wants a franchise, and, you know, sci-fi and genre stuff's bigger than ever. Um, so I hope it's... I hope it's fun, whatever it is. I hope they, they take it pretty seriously. And, you know, I'm excited that someone's working on Flash Gordon. Yeah, well, it did come back around once on that sci-fi TV show. Yeah, that was we, don't, unwatchable. we don't acknowledge that. Or even, okay, all right. That was, that was truly, that truly was just, I can't believe this is what you agree to for your character. There's one thing to say, we should just get the character out there in any way, shape, or form. We should do something with the character. Another thing to just... I don't care what that... Sh- that show could have been called anything. It didn't have to be Flash Gordon. It could have been anything, and it was just just a mess. Just It was a up, mess. Down, yeah. sideways. Uh, just, just got awful. So hopefully everyone's forgotten about that completely, and it's time to move on. So I hope it's cool. I hope it happens. Um... You know, I'll always have my beloved 1980 Flash Gordon, regardless of what whatever happens. That'll always be there. So that's right. So you know, that's a comfort. But we'll see. We should, yeah, so that's that could be exciting. Um, speaking of movies, I think between the two of us, we've watched about 75 movies. <laughs> we've seen a few in yep. the past week or so. You, so we we haven't been able to talk about Captain America two. That's right. We have not. I mean, we talked a little bit in generalities last episode because of how it tied in or just the fact that it needed to tie into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You were about to walk out the door and go see it. That's right. Yeah. So what did you what's your take? What did you think? It's all right. (laughs) No, it was great. It was it was fantastic. I mean, it, it had some of the best fight scenes of any Marvel film. The fight sequences alone. I just I watched because I saw it twice. And uh-huh. you watch it, and I just go, these must that they must have taken two weeks each to to shoot just the fight scenes. Yeah, they just they go on and on, and they're just the choreography is stunning, just yeah, mind blowing. The 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 elevator fight alone is one of those that when you get it on DVD, you're going to rewind every time you watch the movie. Yeah, how they yeah. did this fight, um, I loved it. I think it's, I think it's top five comic book movies easily uh certainly in the marvel universe um i thought it was just wonderful and even when this stuff was kind of telegraphed and you yeah. know you might have an idea of who this person is or where this thing's going to go i didn't care because i just thought it was done so well and um just put together it was so sharp the way everything was put together and i said this before i'll keep saying it chris evans is a national treasure i think that guy he just makes it look so easy. Um, yeah, he really does. He's terrific. He's, he's managed to take a part that, no offense to Cap, is pretty one-dimensional because, you know, the most you can say about him is that he's perfect and he's conflicted because of the world that he sort of has come back to. Um, right. But they've, they've given him more layers than that and more depth. And, yeah, I think that that's, that's especially interesting because – you know, when you you think about it, that depending on the writer, Cap, like you said, can be pretty one-dimensional. But they've given him the optimism of someone from the greatest generation, but the pessimism of someone that exists in this world and has seen 
you know, what has changed. Right. And that working off of each other is fascinating to watch. Yeah, and and like I said, I think that that um, I think that recent events, you know, Snowden and WikiLeaks and all that stuff that we've talked about before, it's kind of advantageous for the character of Captain America because the time that he was, I think, most interesting you know, was concurrent, you know, with what was going on in America in the, in the seventies, in the, in the early seventies and mid seventies, the unrest because of Vietnam, Watergate, everyone's lying. The politicians aren't what they say, the military industrial complex and all that stuff. And so here he is walking around wondering how everything got to be this bad. This isn't the, this isn't the country I left behind. What happened? Um, we're never going to get those movies just because of the, the time frame. So what a great thing to to drop him into the middle of, you know, all this surveillance and preemptive strikes and everything else. Um, it's a great way to to finally get those kinds of stories uh, from a current Captain America, you know? Totally, yeah. And, and uh, I think the thing I was maybe most, I don't want to say fearful, but uh, cautious about going into it was, you know, one, it felt like they were, sort of shoehorning the winter soldier in too quickly before relationships are established. But I really wondered how they were going to establish uh, the friendship between he and the Falcon into something that would be satisfying for those of us who enjoyed their adventures. And right. they did it immediately. Yeah. They do it so well that, and this is just, this has to do with the writing and just the, the way those guys pull it off. When they meet, you feel like they've known each other for years already. They yeah. just instantly have that that chemistry, uh, and I believe that that thing would have built up, and it was a smart thing to do to have to have them be sort of contemporaries in, you know, coming back from a war, and you know, they're both veterans of wars, but you know, seventy years apart, sixty years right. apart. Um, and I, th- I think Mackie's a great actor. I've, I've loved him in just about everything he's done. Yeah. So it was cool to to see him and uh, and just you know there are moments where I just pinched myself like oh my god that's Captain America and the Falcon running around uh, you know fighting bad guys together yeah yeah who thought that was going to happen you know uh, yeah uh, and Scarlett Johansson I thought was terrific um, everybody was just great in it the thing with um, I don't know how much we can talk about I'm assuming most people have seen this thing by now. But I won't say too much, but the big reveal in the bunker, right? when that happened, yeah. it was like, oh, my God, they did it. They actually yeah. pulled it off. Is it exactly what it was in the book? No, but to make it logistically work and visually work, they, they did it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was really, really cool. And then you get loads of backstory right there. Um, filling you in on lots of history of S.H.I.E.L.D. or just the past 70 years or so. You know, revelations about Howard Stark, for example. Interesting, because I had to then go back in my brain and go, wait, did we ever find out what happened to Howard? No, we haven't. All these movies, they've never said to us what happened. And now we we know. And is that going to come into play? You know, down the road. Um, you know, the whole Winter Soldier thing, I, w- I was highly skeptical because I- I'm not in love with that storyline to begin with. And it's kind of like, I feel like there's lots of other 
fun Captain America stuff we could do before we got there. But I understand. I understand that, you know, these movies aren't coming out every month like a comic book would. And totally. you've got to get to certain things in a certain amount of time. Each one of these takes two or three years to, you know, get off the ground. Um, someone said, see, I think, because you saw the, there was an interview with Chris Evans where he was like, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to be acting for much longer kind of thing. Right. And then a couple of days later, he kind of retracted it and said, no, no, no. I just, they caught me in a mood that day. They took it out of context. I'll be doing stuff for a while. But someone said, well, you know, I bet the reason that they're doing the whole Bucky thing is, you know, Evans is already getting burnt out. Um, you know what I mean? So that maybe. Right. But well, I think part of that was the speculation just that, you know, the, that actor has signed on to do more films than Chris Evans has currently. But he explains in that interview that they were trying to get him to do eight, eight or ten, and that he got him down to like six, you know, just because he knows that he wants to do other things. I thought Evans, I thought he was signed in for like eight movies between, you know, between the Avenger stuff and the Cap stuff. I thought he, I thought his deal was for like eight things. No? No, it says six in that interview. Six, oh. That they, they were trying to get him to eight, I believe. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, I kind of, I can't be one of those fanboys. It's like, well, what, you got to do it forever. I mean, no, I get that. But it's like, it is a remarkable thing because now you can do whatever you want. You can keep going back and make a, an Avengers or a Captain America thing and still do all these other movies that you want to make. I hope he sticks yeah. around. I mean, I hope, I know he's not going to do 10 movies, but I, I hope that he does, you know, another Avengers and a couple more Caps because it's, a, it's he's managed to make this, I've always loved Captain America. Always, lo and I, like I say, I always loved Cap and the Falcon, those books, but he's not the most interesting character. He's, he's, he's conflicted because of the time stream and um, because of Bucky. Uh, and now you've, you've given him so much more to do in these movies, and especially with this movie that... I sure would love to see him do much, much more with this. But, but the the really interesting thing, though, ha, you know, again, this speaks to you know what Kevin Feige and all uh, Feige, Feige, uh, Kevin Feige. Uh, yeah, the lawnmower man. Keep it. Uh, uh, the, the way they are tying all this stuff together because you can't have what happened in Cap go on and it not touch Agents of Shield. Well, that's remarkable. I mean, I can't, and I, I, I have to tell you, this is when I, I hate being a fanboy or hate even counting myself amongst some of these people that there are people ripping this apart. Now, first of all, let me let me clarify. I I never I didn't think Agents of Shield was crap. I just never thought it was very good. I wasn't that interested. I didn't think it was executed very well. Leading up to Cap and since for me. It's gotten infinitely more interesting and become a much, much better show because there's much more at stake and there's more of a mythology sort of, you know, going on because of this stuff. But there are people bad mouthing the show going, well, what's it going to be called now? And what happened? What's, what what's going to happen when it's in syndication? How are you going to explain, you know, five years from now that there was a Captain America movie? It's like, you know, I don't think they're thinking about that. And, you know, should you be looking the gift horse in the mouth like this? Because it's like... When has this ever happened? Outside of X-Files, I think I said this before, when X-Files ended a season, there was a bit of a break, the summer movie came out. At the end of that, 
that leads to the beginning of the next season. Right. But that was a show. Like, other than that, I can't think of anyone that's had the balls to do something like this. Where you see, yeah, yeah. You see a movie on a Friday, and the following Tuesday, <laughs> the television series is completely ripple affected by everything that happened in the damn movie two days before. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah. That's an incredible thing to set up. Uh, and I think it's it's more interesting, you know. It's it's now I'm curious to know where this thing is going to go, you know. Right, I completely agree with all of that. Yeah, so no, it's been it's been fun, and <laughs> Pat and Oswald showing up, I think, is <laughs> hilarious. Watch that guy read the phone book. Um, but I'm curious where they're gonna where they're gonna take this. And here here's the thing, I know I said this before, and I, I don't mean to harp on these young kids. God bless them, they got jobs. But one of the things I was complaining about was like, you know, the characters aren't that interesting. They're just, they're kind of interchangeable and she's British and he's Scottish and she's the 12 year old internet girl and there's the Chinese woman or whatever. My point is when someone like Bill Paxton shows up and steals every single scene he's in, whether he's over the top or not, you just see the charisma this guy has. That's when I really noticed that these characters aren't that interesting. Paxton comes right. in, walks away with the show, and you're like, yeah, give us more, you got to give us in, more interesting characters than this to be in, in S.H.I.E.L.D., you know? Uh, but anyway, but I think, it's, I think it's a much better show, and I'm very curious to see where it goes. Completely. And loved Cap. Loved, loved, loved Cap. Yeah. Now, let's clarify this, for those of the people out there that have seen it and whatever, I'm not giving too much away, but there's the mid credits sequence and then there's the post credits sequence. So Correct. It's yes. become the norm now for uh for um the Marvel movies, but we'll get to something else that's kind of interesting, I think. Number one, the mid credits sequence where the German guy is talking about the two people that are locked up. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, in the Marvel world, in the Marvel Studio world, they cannot they can share these two characters which will be in – wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to get this wrong. Yes. These characters – well, one of these characters is also going to show up in X-Men Days of Future Past. Yes. And they're two of the few characters that a different studio, being Fox, can share with Marvel. Correct? That is correct. But one of the uh, little footnotes is Marvel is not – able to use the word mutant as i understand it that is correct yes. which is why at the at the mid credit sequence we never hear that word right okay just clear and uh and uh, and they you know one of them is in both days of future past and uh avengers 2 yes but they will also be different actors yes well different actors different costumes yes, that's correct yes well the, t- the two that. actors that are in the Captain America teaser, they're in Avengers 2. Correct. One of the characters, the male character... I think that... Aren't they both in Godzilla also? Oh, is she she in Godzilla? I think they are. I think they're, like, married in the movie. That's funny. I know he is. Uh, I I know he is for sure. I like that guy. He he grows on me. He he played John Lennon in Nowhere Boy. He did a good job with that. He... uh, he did a movie. Did you ever see a movie called Savages with him and Taylor Kitsch and what's her name? And it was an Oliver Stone movie. 
Yeah. Benicio del Toro is just insane in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's kind of. A, I saw part of it just not too long ago. It's kind of a rental, but he's really good in it. You know, I keep saying that he, he and uh, and and Taylor Kitsch, they're getting lots of stuff, and I think they're much better than they're given credit for, and they're gonna surprise us here and there. Um, so let's let's get to something real quick. So this is another little bit of news I thought was very interesting. Um. X-Men Days of Future Past, sorry, I'm sorry, Spider-Man is going to have a teaser in its mid-credits sequence or post-credits sequence Mm -hmm. that is directly related to or has a character from Days of Future Past. Oh, I had not heard that. Yes, that's what, it, it started as a rumor and then it became fact, I guess, because there was a screening in the UK or something for Spider-Man and there it was. So this is really interesting in that there's cross studio cross pollinization now, you know, studios uh, cooperating in ways that right, yeah, yeah. they haven't before. Um, I, I guess this is the elephant in the room that we, we probably have to mention, but probably shouldn't spend much time on is the Brian Singer controversy with days of future past. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we we could easily spend 90 minutes talking about this and how we feel about it and everything else. But it's interesting to me that you you must have heard about this or read about it. Well, you went to WonderCon, didn't you? I did, yes. Well, there was a panel at WonderCon for Days of Future Past. Right. Singer was supposed to have been there, uh, but he wasn't. And Garmin, I think, moderated the thing, I think, Right. I think that's right. Yeah, he did a bunch of moderating. But they didn't even mention his name. Like, <laughs> they didn't even say, and Brian Singer comes back to the X-Men franchise with this. They, It's like he didn't exist. Had nothing. Well, I'm sure the studio, for as much as they've poured into this, are trying to keep that to a minimum. Yeah, well, they, they, don't, they, they that, don't want his... They made their one statement that was like, this has nothing to do with us. You know, he's got his lawyers, and they're going to figure this stuff out, but it's nothing to do with us. Yeah. We did a movie, and that's that's it. But it'll be interesting to see what um, what this means because, you know, I'm not one of those people that thought I, – I don't think Brian Singer's a hack or anything, but I certainly wasn't like, oh, he's the savior of the the comic book franchise. Thank, thank God he's back. In the X-Men world, I, you know. No, I, I would rather the director of First Class have done this. I agree. I agree. I, I enjoyed First Class so much more than the previous three Singer X-Men. But now, well, Singer did, he didn't do the third one, to be fair. No, that's right. But, that's but right. no, but what's interesting now is like, well, you know, you've already, he's already signed on for the next X-Men movie. That's right, the Apocalypse. And he's already talking about that, but this whole thing could could um, turn that all upside down. It's pretty pretty heavy. Uh, there are more accusations, more people being named, and uh, a documentary that's being produced concurrently with this that's supposed to blow the lid off the whole thing. So this could be very interesting. Um, so let's, um, let's talk about some things, now that I've got you. We've talked about Cap. A um, couple other things that I've seen. I finally saw Philomena. Did you happen to see Philomena? I've not seen that yet, no. I'm a big fan of Steve Coogan. I think he's a a very, very funny guy uh, and a very underrated actor. When he plays certain characters, he brings a 
a sort of uh, you know pathos to a lot of his characters that uh, kind of creeps up on you. And I was curious to see how this was uh, as him and, and Judy Dench, and this, she's a uh, when she was a young woman, she had to give her kid up for adoption or something, or the kid was taken from her, and now all these years later she wants to meet him. It's it's a good movie. It's probably never watch it again, but it was good. It was well done, well written. If you like Coogan, it's a nice little change of pace for him, and it's a, it's kind of a sweet uh, story. They work very well together, the two of them. Okay. Also watch something called A Fantastic Fear of Everything. Did you right. read about this or hear about this? I don't know that I did. Uh, Simon Pegg. It is the thing that was most interesting to me about it was it is based on a short story that is written by Bruce Robinson. Bruce Robinson was the writer director of a movie called With No and I, which I'm a huge fan of, one of my right. favorite movies. It, it introduced the world to Richard E. Grant, and um, and it was one of the first things that Paul McGann ever did the two of them mm. in that movie. Um, he did a few other films, but he's a real eccentric uh, character, um, British writer, and is based on one of his short stories. And it's basically <coughs> Simon Pegg is this messed up guy who's a, who writes uh, children's books, but he's, he's like agoraphobic and kind of going crazy at the same time, thinking people are out to kill him. And a lot of it takes place just him in his apartment. Some of it takes place at a laundrette that he goes to to do his laundry. Uh, and it's kind of weird and twisted and definitely an acquired taste. But if you like Simon Pegg, uh, it's worth it just to see it, really, um, to see him. Okay. And then the, the one that I saw that I really liked, um, but again, it might be an acquired taste, but I, I really love Sam Rockwell. I think he's one of those guys that can almost do no wrong. Even his weakest stuff, I think it's just... He's great. And, you know, have you seen Moon? Did you ever see Moon? I did see Moon. Moon is fantastic. Moon is one of those movies that I, I swear if it was called, you know, Out of Africa, it would have been nominated for Best Picture, Director, Screenplay, Actor. It, it's just a wonderful movie, and he's so freaking good in it. Um, uh, so he's good in stuff like that. And then, you know, when he does flat-out comedy, I think he's wonderful. Uh, this is a movie called uh, Better Living Through Chemicals. Okay. And it's him and uh, I forget her name, Megan, Megan Blah Blah, who is the wife, uh, Woody Harrelson's wife on True Detective. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's in it. Um, the woman from Tron Legacy, who's actually quite funny. She's a very, very good comedic actress. She was in Tron Legacy. She was in... Um, Oh, the ma magician movie with Steve Carell, Olivia. You mean Olivia Wilde? Olivia Wilde. Yeah. And Ray Liotta, and it's this okay. small town, and uh, uh, Sam Rockwell uh, uh, runs a pharmacy in the small town. He's kind of spineless. His wife is always on top of him. His kid is like a ten-year-old, just a mess. Doesn't understand his kid, and he's just a miserable, miserable guy. And then he meets Olivia Wilde. Typical bored, uh, you know, housewife in, in the suburbs that uh, takes way too many prescription pills, and um, this relationship starts, and some things start to happen, and it's just great. Um, it's it's very funny, very dark. Um, yeah, not, it's not family viewing by any means, but if you like Sam Rockwell, he does a terrific job, and it's kind of just came and went this thing, but it's it's great. 
Uh, and there's some other stuff that I've seen too recently. But what have you been? You 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 went and revisited some some genre <laughs> pictures, right? I did, yeah. Uh, so one one thing I saw just real quick, I, I finally saw Frozen, uh, the Disney animated feature. The Easter Bunny brought it to us. Oh yeah. So uh, we uh... we sat down and watched, it. and I was the only person in my family that had not seen it yet. My wife and my daughter Oof. had both seen it. That's ninety minutes. Uh, I will never get back. You didn't enjoy it? I didn't think it was terrible or anything. It's just, it just was so loud. It just the singing and the just the. You know, everything was just so, you know, singy and song singy, and here's another song, and it's so singy. And so you don't want to build a snowman? That's what you're saying? No, no. Okay, well, no. Yeah, it was it was cute. You know, yeah. I, I can see. I can certainly. It was. But it's like the very, like, very musical theater. So I can see why it has done quite well. But isn't it like the biggest animated thing ever made in the history of mankind, or something? It is the highest-grossing animated feature as of right now. I do not get that. Are you telling me this thing is higher-grossing than Toy Story or any of the Toy Stories? Yes. I, I, again, I, I must be totally out of touch because there isn't, there isn't a pat. Five minutes of any of the Toy Story films, infinitely better than this entire movie. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I do, again, I don't think it's terrible. It's still got lots of great stuff in it, and God knows it took you know millions of people, millions of hours to do or whatever it was. But I just don't get it. I don't. I don't, I don't even think the story's. I don't think it's interesting. What was the story about? A couple of sisters. One of them is. Well, it's it's a it's a version of Han Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen. Which is it? Well, what's the story? I mean, what's what's it about? What's the gist of the story? You saw it. Why am I telling you the because story? Because I want you to get me interested in it again. What, what's the story? What's, <laughs> exactly. What is so interesting about this freaking story? Nothing. It was, just, you know, it was about is the two sisters. One has the powers. She gets locked away. Her parents, you know, send her away because she doesn't know how to control it. I'll tell you the part that was yeah, kind of sister's cute. very lonely. The part that was kind of cute was when the, uh, you know, the hunky, who was the hunky? Wasn't there a hunky guy that she falls in love with that helps get them through the woods? Kind of thing. Yes. Yes. When he goes back and visits his family. Yeah. That was cute. That was there was some cute yeah. stuff there. Yeah. The snowman I could take for a little while, but then I kept going. That's that's Josh Gad. Yeah. yeah. Hard. To... The thing about the snowman, though, they never explained that. Right. That she made a sentient snowman. Yes. <laughs> like at no point does ever go. Like, hey, you know what? Most of your powers are like freezy things, but you created life over there. Right. <laughs> that was never brought up. And I like that he was kind of wonky. Like he was kind of a, he was kind of an asymmetrical snowman. Like his his head was kind of weird, and his teeth and his yeah. mouth. That was kind of fun, but yeah, not enough to get me to sit me down for ninety minutes again. Yeah, it, it was what it was. But uh, it was Shakespeare by comparison because. Uh, Again, going back to Fat Man on Batman, they've been doing a couple of episodes where they do their own running commentary. Kevin Smith and, and a guy who is a, a comic book writer and also writes for uh, the Heat Vision blog on The Hollywood Reporter. Okay. Sit down and watch the movies and then do their own commentary <clears throat> for them. Of the, you know, of the first, the Burton Tim Burton Batman films mm -hmm. and then moving on to the Schumacher films. Okay. So I'd been listening to those without having seen any of those movies in many years. Okay. Uh, and I, I remember, you know, when the, when the original Burton Batman came out in 89, I thought that was the greatest thing I had ever seen. 
it's the first movie that I've ever bootlegged. You know, <laughs> like we went and a buddy and I went and filmed it in a drive-in, <laughs> so we'd be able to watch it like over and over again. <laughs> and then I, in my mind, I remember liking Batman Returns even better. Mm-hmm. But after repeated watchings, especially of the original Batman, you really see it falls apart, and it just makes no sense. And it's completely movie by committee. Okay. Uh, and and <clears throat> Batman Returns is much the same way. It's just like whoever decided to put, uh, you know, like Danny DeVito making like weird sexual innuendos. Yeah. And, it's some uh, yeah. And the whole Max Shrek thing is bizarre. Yeah. With Christopher Walken. Uh, now, I knew Batman Forever was abysmal. I, that movie was so terrible, terrible that to this day, I have not seen Batman and Robin. I saw <laughs> Batman Forever and I went, you know what? Not getting my money. It's so bad. And I, and I, I haven't seen it. So they were, I was, again, I was taking pictures and stuff and one of them was on uh, like Cinemax. So I watched it. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was like available to stream. So I kind of had it on while I was taking pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. And why were those not good films? Well, see, There's little glimpses of what we wanted all along. It's interesting because, you know, I can look back, certainly with a more critical eye as well, because we were very excited by those things when they when they showed up. Um, they've got, you know, obviously huge amounts of flaws and, you know, all different things. But I have to say, um, while I don't think that, I think both the Burton ones are are good, and it can't be overstated just what he did. <clears throat> it didn't last because clearly it was going too much in a certain direction, and Warner Brothers didn't want that anymore, so it, it couldn't it couldn't last. But the truth is, this guy that had only made two films before this was given the reins for this massive thing, and you know, collectively, the decision was made to take it someplace serious. Now, <clears throat> they're not perfect by any means, and they're, so much of them are studio-bound, you know, that today would be CG or on massive locations or something. Um, what's remarkable about the second one, the adult stuff, is, it, was, it was disturbing when it came out, that it went so dark and weird with the creepy adult sexual <laughs> innuendo and stuff. There's a lot of innuendo between Catwoman and, and Bruce Wayne, too. Yes. There's some stuff there that's like, wow, we're trying to sell Happy Meals here. You know, how did that happen? <clears throat> but but kind of when you go back and look at it, see, I can go back and look at it and go, how in the world did this slip through the cracks? Because it is so dark. It is so weird and twisted. They They basically gave Burton a blank slate. Do whatever you want because the first one was so big. Do whatever you want. I mean, everybody is really damaged in this movie. The you know the, the the abuse the abuse of Michelle Pfeiffer is horrific. The way she's treated in this movie, you know what <clears throat> what happens to her that kicks the whole thing off, and so much of the violence is played for laughs. It's a really twisted movie. Uh, it's a very twisted, dark superhero movie in general. Again, I'm I'm. It's not that I'm, I'm I won't be critical of it. I don't think it's a great movie. But there's some very cool stuff in there and some really twisted, weird shit when you think about it. At the same time, they're trying to sell toys and Happy Meals and and everything else. But there's a famous story that Burton tells when he – the second one comes out. You know, The first one was massive, obviously. The second one comes out. It does well. 
but it's it's I think it's pretty clear by the fourth you know third fourth fifth weekend that it's not going to do what the first one did. And right. you know one of the complaints was you know it's really dark, not just dark in tone, it's just so dark. <laughs> you just can't wait to get out in the sunshine when this until this movie's done. And he was talking about having a meeting uh, at Warner Brothers talking about the third one. <laughs> And he starts, you know, talking about some ideas. And this is where we could go. Maybe if the Scarecrow and where we could, you know. And he notices that there's not a lot of, you know, not a lot of reception going on here in this meeting when he's trying. And they're like, well, we were thinking. And they start kind of, you know, dangling other subjects in front of him. Like, well, we've been, you know, we've been thinking about rebooting this thing. Or this is a, this is a script that someone's got. And after a few minutes, he kind of he kind of looked at them and said, you guys, you don't want me to do a third Batman, do you? <laughs> and they were kind of like, well, we just think that maybe your talents might lie. They didn't, they kind of, he didn't walk. They kind of said, eh, why don't you go do something else? Right. Uh, which is interesting. Well, we'll give you a producer credit on the next one, so you just <clears throat> cash that check. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of a, you know, a thank you, because, you know, let's face it, he did do a lot for the, you know, for these movies to bring in, Buckets and buckets of money. I also remember him on the set. Of, there was a Rolling Stone article, I think, on the set of the, of the second movie where he was bemoaning the fact that Warner Brothers were telling him that the first movie hadn't made a profit. And he was sitting there going, I just don't understand that. How is it possible that that the Batman didn't make a profit? It's, it, at that point, it had made like $400 million. And that was in 1989, 90, whatever it was. Um, so then what do we get? <laughs> They they push Burton out because he's too dark and too twisted and too weird, um, and Keaton's great. I mean, that's, I mean, maybe he's not the perfect Bruce Wayne, and it is still kind of weird that he's. But he has great moments just in that suit. He pulls it off. Yeah. You know, you never. I don't think you ever giggle with him in the bat suit. You never go. You know what I mean? That that's that's a huge right. Yeah, yeah. That no one ever went. God, he looks so stupid. Everybody was pretty much okay with it. Um, so they kick him out of the franchise, and who do they turn to? Joel Schumacher. And boy, <clears throat> whatever you think of the first two movies, the tonal shift between that second one and the third one, I mean, and, 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 and there's even a shift between the third one and Batman and Robin yeah. that takes it into, like, romper room territory. Um, <laughs> but right, I mean, I went to a – I remember going to a screening in Westwood of, of Batman Forever. Uh, you know, a week or two before the movie came out, and the friend that that drove, I remember just sitting in silence in the car afterwards, just going, "What the hell was that? Yeah. What happened? It was everything we didn't want from yeah. our comic book movies." Well, I mean, even the the first two movies, if you really go back and rewatch them, it just the plot is very thin and they just seem to be kind of a collection of lines that they think that would be cool for some character to say. Mm -hmm. But when you listen and then you hear those lines, you go, eh, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. It's just kind of, I mean, again, it's, 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 a, you're watching it and it is kind of a miracle that the thing happened the way that it did. You know what I'm saying? Like for all yeah. its flaws, it really, not even Superman was as serious as this Batman thing, you know, and, and, you know, 
just like the Nolan universe or just no one, no one, <laughs> there was never a period of influence that the Schumacher movies had where other studios <laughs> or other people in charge of other characters went, we got to make this feel more like a Schumacher movie. <laughs> right. You know? yes. We got to capture the tone of Batman forever. You know, so say what you will, but the Burton ones took things or were supposed to have taken things on a certain path for a certain amount of time. Unfortunately, we only got two movies into that that tone because yeah. what if we had, you know, until I mean, I wouldn't even count Blade, even though Blade is the first kind of Marvel thing that sort of counts um, really until X-Men. We, we had Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, and it kind of killed everything until X-Men, <laughs> really. I mean, the only thing in between there, but that, this was 1991, was The Rocketeer as a comic book film, which I think is near perfect, but no one saw it. Nobody cared, uh, but right. it took it very, very seriously. But, you know, what did we have in between there? The Shadow, which was a pulp character, but The Phantom – Yes. You know, yes. What did we What did we have until we got X Men? You know. And you're 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 sort of dark man. It's funny because I just had this conversation with my friend Micah, who just moved to uh, L A. back at Christmas time, because he was being critical of <clears throat> the Winter Soldier and some other things. And I, we agree on a lot of stuff, but he's also one of those you know kind of I suppose you know fanboys that is still bothered by the fact that Hugh Jackman isn't five foot four, that's still kind of bothered by the costumes, not being close enough to the comic books. And right. you try to reason with them and say, but it, you couldn't have that standing on the street corner. It would look ridiculous. And what about this? What about that? Um, and, uh, you know, you are, I remember you being sort of critical of X-Men one and two, you don't like X Men. You like you thought X Men one was okay, but didn't like X Men two. I forget how this works. You don't. No, I like I like two far better than one. You like two far better than one. So yeah. see, I can sort of look at these things, you know, like we did about Man of Steel. Like I'm willing to go to anything and see it, but it's kind of like I'll be just as critical the other side of it. Going get to the story. You know, we know this story. I I'm appreciative of the first two X Men and the third one to a degree. I, I do not think it's a disaster the way people have have painted it. Um, there's some good stuff in there. Uh, but the first two, because, you know, boy, it was an uphill climb before that. What did we have? And yeah. remember, these were not as well as you knew these characters and as popular as the comic book was, you know, your average Joe didn't know Cyclops from Colossus, you know, so you were, you were having to introduce all these characters, the concept of mutants. Um, it was a risk. People forget what a big risk that first X-Men was and just how long it had been in development before it finally got off the ground and it happened. Right. You know? So, I mean, what I'm saying is, you know, I, everything has got its – I think I can appreciate things here and there. And I certainly have a, a, a huge amount of nostalgia for those first two Batman movies, especially the first one, because you remember how – whatever you think of it now, that was a big summer. You remember that? I totally do, and I'm not. I'm saying that your nostalgia is best served by not going back and looking at them again, because I, I, I had much fonder memories. Just going, wow, that was that can't be that bad. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Until you go back as an adult and go, whoa, you know what? 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's other things, though, that I kind of – I think that I can go back to and go, what was I thinking? Like how the – but more so than those necessarily. But do you remember when the Batman trailer hit? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. And, and wasn't it like – I think it like showed – It was on like Entertainment Tonight. It was a weird trailer because it seemed like they put it together very quickly to get something out there so everyone could just shut up about what this thing was going to look like. And it, you might have seen like the WB logo or something, you know, at the beginning. And then it sort of just goes into this trailer with no voiceover. And there was no, I don't remember there being any music. Do you remember there being music in this trailer? I thought there was. Yeah. I have this recollection that there was no music. And the next thing, suddenly it's over and it's just like the Batman logo or something. Am I wrong? I don't, it was a weird trailer. It seemed like it was kind of cobbled together when you when you when you look back at it now. But it was a massive, massive thing. And I remember seeing that the first time, just going, "Oh my god, this is really happening. Yeah. We're really getting a Batman movie, and it's going to look pretty cool." You know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I understand what you're what you're saying. Sometimes it's like young love; you shouldn't go back. Um, yes. uh, Okay, big month of movies coming up. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. we've talked about. Game of Thrones. Let's get to this right away. Have you picked up any of the figures? <laughs> we say right away, you mean an hour and 15 minutes in? No, what I mean is when I say Game of Thrones, we have to get to the new episode right away because... Because <sighs> we want to spoil it for people? No, I, I'm not going to spoil I don't mean to be a prude. I don't mean to sound like an old fuddy-duddy. But something horrific happened <laughs> in this new episode that I think is kind of shocking in, in, a, in a show that is shocking just about every week and has done everything imaginable to people's body parts and orifices and <clears throat> everything else. Um, you know the scene I'm talking about. I, yeah, I do, because a lot of people are talking about it now, but as I, as I watched it, I did not find it shocking and did not think that everyone was going to be like – gather around the water cooler talking about well, it. Well, it's not that. It, but, but see, that's the thing is I think you're you're kind of so used to behavior like this in the show, number one. Number two, the characters we're talking about are pretty reprehensible to begin with. And let's face it, their entire relationship <laughs> is pretty creepy to begin with. Right. But at the end of the day, we're talking about a violent uh, sexual act here. Yep. That uh, was not consensual, right? I just I and 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 the I mean I think the other thing that really surprised people is because it, that is not in the book. That well, was something created for the the TV show. That scene. okay? So see, my understanding was that it was in the book, but it was more back and forth, more consensual. That something happened, like that uh, she sort of gives in. And starts to reciprocate. Whereas in the show, the tone is completely different. It is there's no two ways about what that is, what's happening. Uh, so, it a similar scene takes place in the book, but not at that moment. Okay. So, so they when, shifted it to when, that. when the when that wedding happens in the book, <laughs> uh, Jamie Lannister is not back yet. I see. Okay. So, okay. So that 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 top, that discussion happens later, not in the setting that it was in there. 
And in the books, I think it's it is, every chapter is is relayed from a character's perspective. Mm-hmm. It's not kind of a, a third person, you know, here's what's happening here, here's what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Every single section or chapter is from a character's point of view. So when that discussion is happening, it's from Jamie Lannister's perspective. I see. So you're, you're getting his words and thoughts and then what she's saying back, but not her thoughts. I see. Okay. So. Okay. Well, on that note, and um, I'm sure you can reenact those scenes with your choice. <laughs> did you, have you gotten any of the figures from Game of Thrones? The fun. Uh, I, I have not yet. I saw some of them at WonderCon, but I haven't bit the bullet because uh, right now I've got all the, the Dark Horse figures, like the, whatever, six of those that are out now. Five of those. For so Game I haven't of Thrones? Gone. For Game of Thrones, yeah. Oh, okay. So there, are, the, are those action figures or like statue figures? Those are plastic figures that don't move a millimeter. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, They're I'm seven sure. to eight inches tall, you know, posed. Uh, but they sent them to me to review, so you know I've got those. So I haven't been like, oh, I got to go get these action figures. Yeah, they're really nice. The fun. I wanted to get them because I wanted to see what what they were going to pull off with, uh, you know, the six inch figures. The articulation's great. The likenesses are pretty good. But I picked up the uh, White Walker and yes. the Hound and the Dink, Peter Dinklage. Yes. Uh, I picked those up. They're nice. Um, but speaking of likenesses, can we talk about Marvel Legends? But, but real quick, uh, they today they just showed they put out official press pictures of Wave Two. You know, yeah. they had Wave Two at Comic Con, but they were kind of hard or at Toy Fair. Yeah, but they were in a case that was really hard to see. So see, the thing is, I'm not. I, I like the show. I don't love it. I think that even if I did love it, I wouldn't pick all these up. If you notice, the three that I picked up are the three that seem most like they could have been, come out of an X-Men movie. Like one of them is a giant, one is right. a, a dwarf, and the other is a monster. <clears throat> I'm not as interested in just the people. I just I, I, I think the show gets more interesting the more weird things that come into it. And um, I can't wait for more of the White Walkers and dragons and giant people and whatever. Um, the, likeness, right, the likeness issues on the Marvel Legends, Captain America, and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. I'm totally confused by this because I've seen pictures of the Black Widow because no one has actually seen it in person because <laughs> they're nowhere. Uh, and it's dead on Scarlett Johansson. She's got two heads. Both of them look just like her. So why why the generic sculpts for Cap and the Winter Soldier? Uh, well, and people are asking the same question because we're starting to see pictures of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Marvel Legends 2, and the, the Star-Lord figure does not really look like the actor either. No, no it doesn't. So I, I don't know why they are taking those shortcuts, if that's just not having to deal with actors' likeness or, or what their thinking is. But, yeah, they don't seem to be focusing that much on it. Yeah, I thought there would be an answer somewhere. Uh, but I guess not. I haven't been able to get any kind of information about it. Um, so there's that. Um, toy wise, we talked about that. Oh, I also picked up a fun little, the three and three quarter inch, um, beware the Batman figure. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. From the, the multiverse. Yeah. That's a fun, okay. fun little surprise. Yeah. I haven't got that guy yet. I said they showed him at uh, it's cool. Toy Fair. It's a cool little figure. It's like, 
it's like I said, it's that show that I never got into it. I didn't I didn't really dig the 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 way they did the execution much, but I I was <clears throat> starting to dig the design. Just because it was different, it was trying to do a, a, a total revamp of a new Batman show. We've already seen it in several different incarnations over the years, and I, I certainly like the design of Batman. I like the way they, they designed him. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, we never got a full toy line, so I was happy to to get a couple of versions of uh, of Batman. Um, yeah, some people have asked, you know, because uh, the the show disappeared quickly. Yes. Uh, off the air. And I guess just recently they have announced that the last three episodes are going to air on Cartoon Network at like three in the morning. Yes. The perfect so, time. The perfect time to air them. Yeah. So set your DVRs unless you uh, work, nice, work the graveyard shift. Nice big audience for those. Say yeah. goodbye. Um, there's that, and then um, you. There was something else here that you wanted to talk about. I picked up some new music just to change the topic real quick. Um, a band that I'm a big fan of called Doves, which was uh, a guy called Jimmy Goodwin. There's a lead singer, and then these uh, two brothers that were in it. Doves, um, four albums. Yeah, four albums. The last record was about five years ago, and it was called um, Kingdom of Rust. And allegedly, it took like two and a half years to make. It just was a difficult process. So doves are kind of on hiatus. They're, they're a really interesting band. Um, definitely some pop in their uh, you know, guitars, but moody, kind of a moody. I, I don't know who you'd compare them to. They just have a very, very distinctive sound. Um, uh, just some great stuff. Anyway, Jimmy Goodwin, who is you know the lead singer, basically the voice of of Doves, has a his first solo record has come out. And if you like Doves, you should really enjoy this because it's it's slightly different to what their sound is, but it's as close as we're going to get to a new Doves record. Certainly in the last five years, um, and it's it's, a, it's the album is called Odd Odulek O D U L E K. It's like okay. a Norwegian word for something. I don't know what. Uh, so that is out, uh, and it's terrific. I've really been getting into it. The other thing is uh, Record Store Day was last weekend. This is yes, a indeed. really cool thing that um, record stores across the country and around the world or whatever are doing on the same day. And a lot of artists are doing these you know, um, one-off singles or specific pressings of things that it's, it's gotten crazy. Like I tried going last year to Amoeba and I swung by at like eight in the morning. I don't think they opened till 10. I had no idea just how crazy. I mean, the line was around the building at eight o'clock. In the yeah. Morning. So a buddy of mine, my- and there was something specifically you wanted, like there was uh, like a limited edition that you were trying to get. Yes. And I couldn't, I couldn't get it last year. This year, I was going to go, but my friend Micah, who I just mentioned, uh, he was going to go and he's going to make a day of it. He got down there like five in the morning and he was, you know, 50th person in line, uh, made some buddies, went in and he picked it up for me. Uh, Paul Weller had a a new single called Brand New Toy, a seven inch single vinyl uh, limited to 500 copies. Uh, So he, he managed to nab one for me. But what's interesting about this, I just read about this, um, apparently uh, Weller himself uh, got wind of just how expensive, how, how, how high this thing was going on eBay. 
So people were picking up the single, turning around, selling it on eBay for 150, 200 bucks, apparently. And um, he's so disgusted by this. Again, nothing against Record Store Day or the establishment. He makes this very clear in the statement that he made, but he's so disgusted by this defeating the entire purpose and notion of Record Store Day that he is boycotting all Record Store Days in the future. He's decided oh, wow. never to do a special release in the future because of this sort of thing. So um, so that's kind of a bummer, but um, I'm happy to have gotten a hold of one of the singles uh, before it went crazy. Oh. Yeah, so that he won't be doing that in the future, unfortunately. Um, so there's some music stuff. Um, you... You said you let's get to this Flash Gordon. You said you had some Flash Gordon experience or something. You said, <laughs> yes. So, uh, it's not un, it's not uncommon for me, uh, because I have a, a, a website about action figures and collectibles. So, uh, oftentimes people from other countries, uh, will email me a, a lot of times, like factories will email me thinking that I am a manufacturer. Okay. And so they want to entice me to, uh, you know, go with them to, you know, make my widgets or my store displays or whatever. I, you know, I get a couple of those every so often. They're very poorly worded, uh, you know, with links and stuff. But I got one today that was very interesting because the subject line of it was, Clytus, I'm bored. No. What playthings do you have for me today? No. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what's that about? What the hell was it? Uh, it was. I mean, it was. It's literally just exactly what I told you. I mean, I, let me. I'll pull it up here. I can. I, I kept it. Uh, what was the body of the email? Well, that's why I'm pulling it up here. So <laughs> I just am bored. What plaything can you offer me today? Uh, dear sir, madam, my name is Annie Lee from China. I've been working for five years in a European country. I found your company information from Action Figure Insider. Know that you are specialized in promotional products. Our company name is blah, blah, blah. We are specializing in promotional products. For example, pins, lanyards, plush toys, lapel pins, sunglasses, T-shirts, safety vests, lighters, fan scarves, capes, and aprons. Uh, on our website, you'll find many pictures which we produce for customers in Europe. This is our website. This is the most important part is quality control accord with European standards. So you'll get the quality you want. Any questions, feel free to contact me. Hope to start our good cooperation soon. Looking forward to your kind email. Thanks and best regards, Annie Lee. And, and so there's nothing in there other than the subject that has anything to do with Flash Gordon. That's right. <laughs> but for some reason, this, this woman in China... <laughs> Like pulls that quote, knowing that it's going to hit you know her target market. Well, it did the trick, right? I mean, it got your attention. Yeah. And it was it was literally it was in my spam folder, and I was like, wait a second, what is this? It's <laughs> kind of fantastic. And then there's two attachments of a couple of really horrible plush toys. So. <laughs> that's that's kind of fantastic. It's a good way. Wow, it's really bizarre. It's a good way to get someone's attention. Yeah, I mean, for anything really. Right. It doesn't have to be toy related. Just use that. Use that. But I'm, but I'm going to write back to her and see if she's really a fan of the movie and see. Uh... Guaranteed to get someone to respond. Use that in your your subject line. Well, speaking of movies, everyone knows as as uh, eagle eyed listeners of uh, Geek Shell and Herod will know. I have strange luck 
in the, and strange <laughs> sightings in the celebrity sighting department. Yes. Usually have a great story every couple of months. And, you know, oddly enough, about half of them involve the target on La Brea and Santa Monica. Okay. That is a hotbed of activity. I mean, that's where, isn't that where I saw Joe Dante? I believe it is, yes. Looking for um, detergent. You just lurk there. You lurk there long enough. Like, you, like you're uh, an employee of TMZ. Well, I had a sighting the other day that had me shaking in my boots. I was so close to saying something, but I didn't. Uh, why did you not? I got in line. See, I know who it I is. I got in line to check. Well, before you say it, why would you not approach this person? Because, because he didn't seem, he seemed a bit grumpy to begin with. And then I kind of thought, well, what would I say to this guy? What, what, what am I going to say that he, I mean, okay, I got in line to check out, and the man in front of me. You put him in your trunk. The, the man. You take him home. Was. And you make him tell you. It was Lawrence Kasdan. And what's interesting about it is, you know, he's not one of those guys that nine out of ten people could probably pick out in a freaking lineup. But I know what he looks like from, you know, years of interviews and, you know, pictures or whatever. I, I know who the guy is. Um, so there he was. And it was just like, <laughs> when I just, should I call someone? Who could I, t he's right here, you know, and, and yes, yes, part of my brain was going, hey, what are you doing here? Shouldn't you be, shouldn't you be somewhere right now <laughs> working on <laughs> You know, fixing, tweaking the episode seven or like changing a scene or whatever, you know. But more than that, the other part of my brain was going, here's the guy. This is the guy. Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back, the good bits of Jedi. <laughs> that, that's why I'm most shocked that you wouldn't have said something. I mean, we all know what Raiders alone just means to well, you. What would you. What would you say, though? I mean, what, what would, what would, what, you know, it's different if you run into him at like Golden Apple or something, you know, did I ever tell you that I saw it Salman Rushdie at Golden Apple? Yes. I swear to God, no one believes that story. It was Salman Rushdie. It was the Golden Apple when it was further down on Melrose by Fairfax. And he was with that. Who was that model that he was married to for a while? Padma? Uh, Padma Lakshmi uh, or something? I, I don't know the answer. Well, he was with her. It was, it was Salman Rushdie. He is a notorious Archie fan. He was a, everyone. Yes, he was. Uh, everyone knew that. That's all he ever talked about. He was getting that and Ghost World. Right. Um, <laughs> well, my, I have a I have a Target sighting too. You do from this week? Yes. Better, not at your Target, but at my local Lawrence Target. Kasdan. There's no way it's better than Lawrence Kasdan. Uh I beg to differ. Who did you see? I saw Kazam and Steel himself. Oh, come on. Mr. Shaquille O'Neal was at my local Target on Saturday night. Lawrence Kasdan could kick his ass. Um, I don't know about what that. What would you say? So if you're telling me that if you were at the same Target as me and Lawrence Kasdan was there and you were in my position, you would have said right. something to him? Yeah, I would have just said, hey, Mr. Kasdan, really enjoy your work. Thanks for everything. Right. Looking forward to the, the coming episodes. See, but that wouldn't have been enough. I mean, I would have literally had to say... Mr. Kasdan, I don't know where to start. Like you, you know, your work is such an inspiration. I mean, I just, I couldn't just go, I really dig your work. Like, you know, Raiders is in my top five of all time. 
you know. Uh, well, then, then maybe it's best you didn't say anything. Yeah, probably. If you, if you can't control yourself. Well, I just – I hope that – as everyone – we've talked about this before, but, you know, he wanted to go to some dark places with Return of the Jedi um, <clears throat> and uh, didn't get to. I wonder if he's going to get to have any of that stuff. I don't want to massacre. I don't want to bloodbath in the first 30 minutes, and I'd prefer if Han didn't get killed, but I'm sure he's going to. Because Harrison Ford's probably going to have that in his contract. You got to finally kill this guy. We'll be lucky if Harrison Ford makes it to principal photography. Say that again. Time is of the essence. I said we'll be lucky if Harrison Ford makes it to principal photography. Well, you know what? Time's a ticket. I again, as the more time goes on, the more I'm going to think <laughs> there's a race card going on here because now we've got Peter Mayhew signed on. And still no one's talking about Billy D. Williams. No one there's not an article that's come out yet that said, Hey, is anybody gonna talk to Lando about that? We keep hearing about the other three, and we know three PO's gonna be there, and we know Chewie's gonna be there now. Is anybody talking to Lando? I mean, I, I'm telling you, after his appearance on Dancing with the Stars, that that was essentially the Empire Strikes Back holiday special. But isn't I mean isn't that like saying isn't everything on that show crap? <laughs> well, I don't but know. I mean, isn't that's, one, that's the first first I've seen of it. Isn't one dance routine as 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 crap as the next? Pretty much. I I, I cannot answer that. I mean, that's a cry for help. That's a that's Lando. That's that's Billy D going. Please, this is what I'm. If you don't get me in this movie, I'm going to keep doing this every other week. Put me in the damn movie. I better hear something soon. I've been saying this for a year now. I better hear something soon about Lando getting a phone call. I think you need to start writing to your congressman. It's starting to look pretty, pretty racist to me. Um, and on that note, <laughs> I think that that just about caps it off for us. All right. Episode. Is there anything else you wanted to? I was just going to mention quickly for fans of Batman Arkham Origins, the new downloadable content is available for people that like that. It's a new Mr. Freeze story. Uh, so you can get that on your, on your, you know, your, your Xbox lives and your PlayStation stores. All right. And also uh, the, the new wave of Lego minifigures that are Simpsons based are out now. Oh. I picked up, I picked up eight of the 16 today and did a perfect poll. No duplicates. Now, now those are like blind, blind bags. Things? They are blind back. Yes. And who's doing those? It's Lego. Oh, okay. These are just characters. These aren't like play sets kind of things. Well, they did the house, which is about 300 bucks. Okay. So I think comes with six figures in the car. Okay. Uh, but then this is just like the regular wave of blind bag minifigures. So there's 16 figures in a wave. Uh, they're slightly different than the ones that are in the house set. So you're not getting the same figures over again. And uh, yeah, wow! And 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 how many did you say this already? How many total are out? There's 16 in the way. And you got them all? You said? No, no, I got I got eight, but I I pulled eight with no duplicates by you know because they've all got unique sculpted heads. You can feel the heads. You, you can kind of figure it out. Yeah. Right. Isn't uh, isn't your isn't Jeremy Sung? Isn't he the the king of that? Oh, he is the Lego Whisperer. Yes. Right? Can he just? Yeah. From 20- he's he's found found me so many things. He's really good. Can at he it. just tell uh, the content from like twenty paces? Yes. Without even touching the bag. Yes. He knows what's going on. 
He's that good. He's that good. Uh, well, cool. Well, that's good. Good for you. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that I picked up recently that's kind of fun, like in the toy world. I did get the – I found the Falcon from the three-and-three-quarter-inch line. Oh, I haven't found him. This past week. I haven't found him. I haven't found – isn't there a new Winter Soldier, too? Not that I know of. Maybe. I thought there was a new Winter Soldier. There's a new Captain America. That's, so so that, that, that wave is the Falcon, the new Captain America, and the new – I thought there was a new Winter Soldier as well. I didn't notice a new Winter Soldier. There, there is another Captain America. Okay, maybe yes. maybe it's just Cap and the Falcon. Then I, I, I don't know. Still, yeah. is it? I wish I, I wish you would have told me that you were looking for that because I left one behind. Oh, yeah, I'm looking for him. Um, there isn't a. Uh, they haven't done a, a uh, Black Widow though, right? That's correct. There's none of that. But there's also going to be a Marvel. Is it Marvel Legends or Disney Store is doing a Captain America? Yes, the, the Marvel Select. Marvel Select with like a beat up. Now, is that the same scale as the one that Marvel Legends does? No, Marvel Select are larger. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so stupid. I, I don't, I don't get that at all. Um, but it's a different. It's a different. You know, it's the same outfit, but it's like a variant in that he's got a beat up shields kind of thing. Uh, I think there's there's a Diamond Select version, and then there's a Disney Store exclusive version. The, and the Disney Store exclusive version is the Battle Damage. About, okay. Now. And there's also there's a Falcon that is in scale with those figures as well. Okay. Too. Now, now that that's going to be a Disney Store thing, or where is that going to be? Uh, that'll be at both Comic and Disney Stores, I think. But that's not out yet. Uh, should be soon. Okay. Cap is out now, but I think Falcons in the next couple of weeks. All right, keep uh, and and oh, also this is a this is a fun little thing, not a big deal, but an interesting little thing. Um, you know, we keep talking about Days of Future Past and how it's this weird thing. I keep saying this where I feel like there's just now getting this push. Like I'm seeing much much more for Spider Man and other things, but there's a, finally a push for Days of Future Past. But one of the things it's not getting is an action figure range. Right. Now, there are differing sort of opinions as to why, but I guess isn't the general consensus because because uh, one and two, one got an action figure range by Toy Biz that was hit or miss, mostly miss. But it was, again, we got to remember when this thing was made and what the deal was. But this, some of the ones made for X-Men 2 were fantastic, like the, the Magneto and the, uh, the Iceman and um, – there was another one that was a real hard one to get or something. But then for the third one, there were a couple of characters that came out as uh, a wave of Marvel Legends, right? Uh, they stuck a few in. Yeah, that, there was a beast. That when you yeah. put them next to the first ones that Toy Biz did, they're not even in the same – they just look like a different scale. They're weirdly skinny and they're not as detailed. But they did a beast, a juggernaut, and yep. a dark phoenix. Yep, yep. Nothing was done for first class, right? Uh, that's right. I mean, Only mini-mates for first class. Say again? Mini-mates for first mini class. Mini-mates for that first class. It. But we didn't get so much as a – we didn't get so much as like a Hot Toys for first class. No. We got nothing. Uh, and then – so now you've got Days of Future Past, no toy range, no actuaries. There's supposed to be a Marvel Select, I think. There's a Marvel Select coming, yes. But we don't know what it is or who it is. That's right. But out of nowhere, uh, Carl's Hoonhor, or as they call the Midwest, Hardee's. 
That's right. Uh, I was doing these kids' meals, and there's like a little ring and a trading card set. But they also did little three and three quarter inch non posable figures of Magneto and Beast. Yes. Which uh, are just kind of fun to get just to put them next to the rest of your Marvel three and three quarter inch figures, movie figures, because this is as close as we're going to get to um, action figures from that movie. Yeah. So those are out there for, and you know what? They're like a buck twenty five each. So you can build an army for 10 bucks, And all the curly fries you can have. Army of beasts. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there you go. There's Look at all that information you get in one show, one free episode. It's a lot. It's a lot of info to take in and digest. Chew slowly, people. Just relax. You. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll do this again real soon. Yes, we will. Thanks. I hope you all enjoyed your GSI after dark. Yes, and uh, stay sexy. That's right. So uh, turn off the porch light, get in bed, and we'll talk at everyone soon. Bye. Bye. Shiny. Let's be bad guys. of nature's deepest mystery.